0: You're listening to the Bass Lessons Melbourne podcast, episode five, Mitch Cairns. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, Craig here from Bass Lessons Melbourne. Um, Another player profile video, and this time it's with Mitch Kearns. How are you, Mitch? Good mate. Yeah, good to see you. Good to see you. Um So, first question: um, How would you introduce yourself as a um, Mitch Kearns? I'm a bass player, or are you a producer? Or good question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These days, I seem to be producing more records and yeah. playing gigs. However, I'm still actively touring. With a couple of artists, so yeah, so and and I still do the odd gig around town, <clears throat> just really depends. If, if, uh, if the guys I tour with are off the road, yeah, and I'm doing a lot more in the studio, then I'll, I'll do the odd gig just to keep my hands moving, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you like, uh, I guess, like, do you think of yourself as a, as a bass player first and then you've grown into this production thing, or is it, or is it just, oh, I'm that? definitely a bass player at heart, yes, yeah, yeah. you know. It's it's the instrument I take to bed. It's the weirdest thing in the mix. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> No, I'm definitely a bass player at heart. I've yeah, been, okay. I've been around it my whole life, pretty well. So, yeah. When when did you start? Uh, I started actually playing, physically playing, when I was about fourteen. Okay. I reckon. Yeah. yeah um, but my dad's a bass player, so I've been kind of rolling his leads and wiping sweat off his guitar since so I could probably walk. So, so he was gigging around. Yeah, he's yeah he's been playing forever. So, cool. so I've, I was always trudging around his gigs from a really really young age. Really, so in the bars and stuff. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> clubs, bars, pubs, you name it. And uh, it didn't put you off. No, I loved it. I thought yeah. it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, it was like, wow, my dad plays in a band. Yeah, that's way cool. And you can I do this for a job. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, so it's, it <clears throat> wasn't uncommon to see myself or my, me and. my Brother, so I'm older, sitting on the side of the stage, yeah, you know, cool. eating Mars bars, and, you know, <laughs> watching the band. Lemon lemon bells. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's um, uh, but yeah, so but I I kind of started. I finally got my hands on actually playing when I was about fourteen. Yeah, I'd been steered into a few other instruments first. What was it? Brass wind. I uh, I started on guitar for a oh, brief yeah. stint, and then I played piano. Okay, cool. For quite a long time, um, so it was a much from my, my mother's, you know, yeah, disgust. She was a was, piano player. No, she wanted me to play piano. that oh, I, okay. I, I really wanted to play bass, but I kind of got steered that way. I think my, my dad thought it was a good idea, yeah, yeah. to get a bit of that grounding, which you know I'm thankful for now. For sure, yeah. It wasn't at the time, but no, but, you know I'm definitely thankful for now. Yeah, and so 14 was out at school or just private lessons at home. No, I taught myself. Yeah, right. um and uh it it just sort of you know sitting in the bedroom playing along the records right and uh records and cassettes and uh and just kind of I was I was playing in there was a school band that kind of started up in my high school and um I kind of got pushed out of the piano position yeah and lumbered into bass they're kind of around the same time so so it was it was good, you know. I was I was playing a lot, and and I picked it up really quick because my, you know, I was really familiar yeah, with. It. I knew how it was supposed to sound. I knew how to hold it. Exactly. I yeah. knew it was all there somewhere in my head. So yeah. all I had to do was make it actually work right. physically, which is always the tricky bit. Yeah. And uh, and it wasn't long before I was out working. Yeah. Right. You know, I working. Fell in for your dad. Well, I was working from sixteen, yeah. in, in nightclubs and whatnot. Right. And yeah. It was, I, I remember my first filling gear for my dad. (laughs) I was petrified. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone's going to know, like, you've got Kenzie son and. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it was a reading gig, which isn't my strong point. Right. I was going to say, like, did the did the piano help with the school Like, Was the school band like a jazz band? Or? Yeah, it was kind of like a brass like a wind band, band, you know. Yeah. I had to read that's trombone good. charts. It was never an electric bass chart, it was a trombone <laughs> chart. But know? it's usually just two beats. And two. I was always yeah, given okay. free reign to just do whatever I liked. So, you know, it was kind of, it wasn't very disciplined. You turned yet. up and that was enough. Yeah, pretty much, you know, it was like, oh, well, that's the trombone chart, just do whatever, you know. Okay, cool. It's in B flat. It in B flat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that that was cool, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so it was like, I guess a lot of people ask about reading. You know, should I learn to read? Is it good to? Is it good to read? What's your take on, on reading? As a, as a oh, look, I don't think there should be any reason why you shouldn't try. Yeah. Anything really? It's um, you know, it's the old adage that, you know, some some people think reading or learning and being studied sterilizes how you're playing, but. You yeah, know, the only person that will sterilise you playing is you, exactly. realistically. Yeah. Um, you know, re- reading certainly got me a lot of gigs, but I'm not a strong, strong reader. Yeah. I, uh, you know... But how helped you get watching? <coughs> yeah. certain, I've certainly done plenty of reading gigs where I've, I've been able to lug through it, but, yeah. you know, generally if something absolutely hardcore comes up... You'll pass it I'll, I'll pass it on. You yeah. Know, and there's, there's plenty of great guys in Melbourne I've, I've passed reading gigs on to. Because <laughs> I know... You know, I know yeah. that they'll just read it first go. Yeah. i kind of... But uh, well, I reckon anything that can... I mean, anything that kind of increases your employability options is a good thing, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and more the opportunities of things I've fallen into yeah. because I've said, yeah, look, I can read that. It'll and then be, you meet It'll be fine. Way. Yeah. You know, and generally, um, you know, I've been... I've found good musical directors will always you know they're, they're happy to help you through the gig sure you know, there's something a bit tricky yeah you know nobody's perfect yeah, yeah they'll help you through it and so and then it comes down to you right you don't absolutely like that. absolutely you know there's 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 plenty of stories of the greatest players in the world that have gotten on a session and something's been a bit, a bit hairy yeah and you know the, the the MD or whoever's on there you know some of them won't some will crucify her yeah and yeah. unfortunately that's that's just the way the world works, some but, you know, i found the really great MDs I've worked with have mm. always been happy to go, oh, that's, that's like this, you know, and whatnot. Yeah. And it's usually not a worry. No. Yeah. So then, so you're at gigging when you're 16. Did you, did you then go on and keep studying, or that was kind of it? You left school and... Yeah, I, I finished high school and I was out on the road. Yeah, cool. Really pretty much <laughs> straight away. And I never went back. I, w- I always wanted to i always had hopes and dreams of study, going to Berkeley or, I you know, or, <clears throat> in the Sydney <coughs> Conservatorium or whatnot. Yeah. A lot of guys I knew, because um, I grew up sort of just north of Sydney, right. and a lot of guys I knew went to the Lismore course. Mm. But that sort of freaked me right out because I was, I was touring. I was kind of doing the gigs that people yeah. wanted yeah. already. And the thought of actually leaving town and spending four years in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, as much as I would have loved to have done it, yeah, it, it just wasn't, I guess, it you it know, wasn't it, viable. everybody's past different and it's, it's not necessarily like for everyone, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> and there's, there's some amazing players that have come out of there, and yeah. some of them have gone on to be players, some have gone on to be teachers, yeah. Um, you know, it, it really depends on where your heart is or, or where, where life takes you, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, like so when did you come down to Melbourne? Uh, I've been here nearly 10 years, so okay. uh 2007 I moved down. So from Sydney? Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, oh. yeah. I grew up in Newcastle and I was kind of working, uh, I was touring all over the place and I was working a lot in Sydney and there and I was doing stuff in Melbourne as well, like, yeah. um, sort of flying down doing bits We Were you doing, I know Newcastle's quite a big country, scene. So we you doing a lot of country gigs up there? Right? I actually wasn't doing no. any country, no. Oh, yeah, right. No, I was playing uh, <laughs> I was playing yeah. the, um, in rock cover bands, I was... I was touring with a guy called Bruce Matisky, okay. who's a um, a really great guitar player, and um, and that was an instrumental gig, like a kind of, uh, I guess you'd call it instrumental jazz. Had all sorts of influences, but trio. I was doing that. Yeah, it was a trio, and I also had a um, an instrumental band as well with a guitar player called Adam Miller. Okay. So um, we'll, we'll, I was doing all sorts of stuff. Really, yeah, right. And, um, I was doing a bit of stuff in Sydney with um, an artist called Jenny Morris. <laughs> but I really love Melbourne. I just kind yeah. of. It's the place I wanted to be. I love it down here. Yeah. Even if I wasn't playing, I love Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so when you came down here, was that when the studio started? Uh, no, I'd been down. producing records prior to moving to Melbourne. Yeah, right. Um, How did you get into producing? That, I, mean, cause, I mean, I remember my first experience in the studio, I was just like. What does a compressor do? Does that work that kind of thing? And then yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. I I don't know. I I guess it just evolved. Like I'd I've been I've been in original bands yeah. from when I first started. Yeah. And you know we were recording and whatnot. And my first real original band recorded a record. I would have been around sixteen or seventeen in a big studio. Yeah. Cool. And I really loved the process, but I always had a heavy hand in arranging. And that side of things, mm-hmm. and as a, and I still do as a producer, I'm kind of really like that end of things. You know, yeah. I think it's really important the pre-production end, and arrangements and parts and things, mm-hmm. and good songs. So it, it was kind of a natural progression mm-hmm. that I just moved more and more into that. And as the years have gone on, um, the the, the now, now I'm mixed records and all yeah, yeah. sorts of stuff. So pe- people were calling you up in, in Sydney to produce records for them or were you, were you working at your own studio up there? I was working at my own studio, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, And um and I and I sort of had a home studio in, in Newcastle and it's just evolved over the years. You yeah. know? I, was sort of, I was working at home when I first moved down here and subletting into other studios to do drums and whatnot. And, yeah. and then I took over a space... Um, uh, yeah. in, in City and then I've moved in this current studio which yeah. is always evolving you know every time I come in here something's changed yeah. Did you to so, move that back you had to get this but yeah. Yeah. pretty much yeah, yeah. 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 so it's sort of evolved over here so I've, I've been like I've had a few records that have been quite successful and mm-hmm. and I've reinvested back into some of the studio because sure. I kind of got sick of just having to borrow things or beg yeah. or, you know, I was you. or hire things as well yeah know? It, it hacks into the budget after a while, I guess it's a good way of trying some to, to know what it's like. You know, especially in, in the audio world, it's like, oh, if I just get that one bit of gear, everything's going to be all right. So yeah. I you know, like borrowing and hiring yeah. is a good way to actually get, try it out in your collection and go. Actually, it's it's only seventeen percent better. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I've definitely had bits of gear over the years. It's, well, it's like anything as well, like base gear or anything. Yeah. You, know, you get bits of gear and you go. It's not quite as good as I thought it'd be. <laughs> you don't sound like that guy. Yeah, yeah. Why don't I sound like that guy? Yeah. Um, there does seem to be a kind of prevalence of bass players that become producer, engineers, MDS. Yeah. What, what, do you do you have any idea why you think that might be? Um, I guess as a bass player, like I, you're usually fairly aware of what's going on around you. Um. You know, I'm always really conscious of how the rhythm section is working with the singer. Mm-hmm. You know, as a bass player, I always I really like listening to singers. You yeah, know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happiest when I can switch off, shut my eyes, and I'm just listening to the singer yeah. do their show, you know. So you're usually quite aware of what's going on around you. Um, so I guess from a musical perspective... You're in that position in the band yeah. between the harmony and the rhythm and yeah the and you you know usually quite, quite across I guess uh, as an MD you usually cross sort of tempos and feels and things mm. and I guess you know you kind of you're actually in quite a controlling position as the bass like if you start doing Double time sample feel, then that's what it's going to be, you know. Like, you can really yeah. change the feel of a song depending on what you do, yeah, absolutely. If you, if Again, you I mean, you I guess know, any, any you move a tone up, you can really change things. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a flat nine, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my flat nine, yeah. <laughs> you're wrong, yeah, yeah. So, I guess that's why there's a lot of great ones, you know. Don Moores is one of my right. absolute favorite producers, yeah, you know, and he's a great bass player, so it's um, yeah, there's plenty of, plenty of good producer bass player, yeah. And so back like, in, you know, 16 to 25 or whatever, like what were the kind of, was there a, some seminal records or players or even producers that kind of really, maybe set you on the path that you're on now? Uh, yeah, there probably was. I'm trying to think of what I was listening to back then. Like what, cause that's kind of your, for me that's your formative years really. Of, I guess yeah. you had it with your dad before, but you know, when you started going on your own path and. Yeah, we had a fairly musical house, you know, yeah. and putting on records all the time. and yeah. And really sort of a real mix of stuff. Hmm. Like, um, you know, we would be always playing you know, Steely Dan and things like that. or yep. Georgie Fame. Or, okay. You know, all, all kinds of random things. But um, I, I was kind of getting into, um, there was a Blood, Sweat and Tears record I really loved um, called Nuclear Blues. Okay. That come out in the early 80s. Right. And, um, <clears throat> and it had all sort of young up-and-coming session guys jazz cats on oh, right. like young guys at the time and there's some really great playing on there yeah. like it's for, you know there's a bass solo on I think it's the opening track and it's an absolute ripper do you know what it is? it's um oh no you've caught me up. I can't believe I've forgotten his yeah. name uh no I don't no lost it by Jagger yeah it was, he, his brother was the guitar player on it but it's a it's a cracking record. Right. But it's um you know, I remember listening to that a lot and um I've I've always been a big James Taylor fan. Okay. So wow. I listen to a lot of that sort of stuff. So we squared. Yeah, and Jim, you know, Jimmy Johnson as we well. I love Lee's playing. Actually I love both of their plays, both yeah. amazing in different ways. Yeah. And they're kind of you know, somewhere like a mould of those two guys. Yeah. Um, it's good how for you those for sure. Yeah, just no choice and things fretless. Like Threatless? do the fretless thing. Oh, I've tried it a few times. You know, haven't persevered with. Yeah, my, yeah. I had um my Yamaha. I played a Yamaha TRB Okay. For years, and it, at some point the um the fretboard had split, and um, there was always a bit of an issue <laughs> with the frets. Is that because of the, t- the touring And oh, I've got no idea. Str- yeah. Possibly. Yeah, it's, we used to fly around oh, a lot, but yeah. it's. And it was an old bass, too. It was the one, I think it was the first John Patatushi model. Right. Which only had one truss rod. Six, string. Six, yeah. Oh, it was right. the, the red burst six. But it only had one truss rod and PZOs, yeah. which I'd had. Which <laughs> I probably did play out like there. I'm only a little fella. You can't <laughs> tell on this big stool. I'm only a little guy. So, yeah, it's it's probably what caused, single-handedly caused a problem with my wrist for <laughs> right. you know, 15 Definitely. years. But it, it, the, the fretboard had split and, um, there was issues with the frets, and I could never work out what it was. But yeah. this hairline crack up the fretboard. Yeah, right. So I took it to a guy to um to look at, it and I, I said, oh, "Look, I'm not really playing it much anymore, because I've like been playing my jazz bass fairly well all the time." Yeah. And uh, I said, "Can you just convert it to a fretless, rather rather than put a new board on it? Let's yeah. just rip the frets out, fill in, fill them, I think <laughs> fill them with maple or something, and um, just make it fretless. Get a six string fretless. Yeah." But that was a bit. That didn't last long. <laughs> it was a bit, a bit full on. <laughs> hey, I got fretless now. It's a six string, yeah. so it didn't, it didn't get a lot of work. I think I played on a couple of records here and there. Yeah, right. I didn't really do much with it. And what's just story with this guy? This is, this yeah. has been around a long time. I actually learned on this bass. This is what I used to sit in my bedroom with, yeah. I had rusty old strings and crazy high action. But this really? is, um, this I'm using this bass a lot more and more now. So it's, it's an old old 60s p bass yeah i love it it sounds great and it's if i make the mistake of every time i i take it to to a gig or a sound check or something and i uh i rolled into uh, we i did a big leo Sayer tour last year and i had all my bases ready to go and we did a couple of day um sort of tech rehearsal yeah and uh <clears throat> i took a five strings i thought i'll give that a run i took a, couple of jazz basses and whatnot. Yeah. And I rolled in this one day and and everyone went, what is that? You know? So that was it. I had to take it (laughs) on the road (laughs) then. You know? When the boss says, I like that bass. Yeah. You know? That's it. So, and it's great. It feels great. Yeah, it sounds great. It kind of feels at home. Did you, you, I mean, you said you had the Yamaha 6 string, like, did you go, when you were growing up and learning, did you kind of feel like you'd grown out of it and you wanted to go to some... Or did you appreciate kind of dancement that you had? Yeah, I I love the um I, I bought the because I I kinda wanted a five string and I could never find one I liked. Right. I still can't. I've still never found one I liked. Yeah. You know. I've got, I hear ones I like, like I hear other players um playing, you know, I've got a, a great mate of mine, um Andy McIver, and he plays a um like a music man and I hear a yeah, music man. Sounds great, you yeah. Know? But then I play one; it sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's not the sound that's in my head. But I picked up the Yami in the shop one day, and it just felt fantastic. The neck felt right, right. And then I kind of looked down and went, "Ooh, it's a six three, okay, right here." <laughs> but um, and I, I played that for a long time because it was a great bass. Yeah, and it sounded great, and it, and it felt great. And then I bought a um, an early seventies jazz bass. And uh, and I sort of started playing that more and more, and, mm. and at some point I made the transition back to that passive sound. Yeah, and I kind of struggle with an active sound now. Yeah, right. I still hear people play like I heard you play your bass, and I love it. It sounds amazing. Yeah. But then I play it, and I go, "It's not. I, I can't get the sound yeah. out of my fingers." You know that I that I hear in my head. So yeah, I I've, I've just been back sort of playing. Fenders and I've got a couple others sort of it's funny how a lot of people you know we all kind of end up back where it all began and, you know it like, seems to do the job yeah everybody wants it to do you know I my, I, I just wonder if sometimes like maybe band leaders and the singers they kind of hear it with their eyes sometimes like if you turn up with like a you know custom unique five string it, it does happen you know, know? and, and, it, and I've had that. it happen to me you know I've rolled yeah, right. up to a, you, know, a, a the, you know the gig where the artist is kind of like I oh, don't know about that you know yeah. yeah. So, well, having having said that, I, I I did a gig for years where you know if I turned up with a, a, a six string, yeah, it'd be like a sackable fence. Right. And I did yeah. a roll in one night and I, I played it for the whole gig and no one even knew anyway. It's <laughs> <Story, laughs> all story, <the> story <laughs> right at the end of the night when they, you know they turn around, and went, oh, what's that? You <laughs> know. <And I, laughs> so, but you know, I I take it out of myself and blow the cobwebs out. Yeah. I took I've got one six string left. So, an old uh, tune. Oh, yeah. It's an early '90s tune. When the yeah. tune was a proper bass, and uh, and I was I was doing a gig just locally a few weeks ago, and I I had my son in here, and I said, "Hey mate, what, what bass should I take tonight?" And he goes, "Take the big one." And I went, "Are you serious?" <laughs> and I did because yeah. you know I mean, I've got to, I said, Yeah, of course. i am gonna do both. No, I'll, I'll that. take that. No, I only take one. <laughs> and I, I did I had to play a three three sets slamming. You know, bar gig. Yeah, right. On my my tune for the night, and I was I was a bit dusty by the end of it. My hands are a bit sore, so yeah. You know, so but the cobwebs are blowing out of it now, so yeah. I don't have to take it Been neither for from a couple of years, brother. Really. No, yeah. <laughs> can stay where it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so go going, going back to the the studio thing. You came down here and set up here. So, what's been kind of the maybe trends or evolutions in terms of production that you've. Seen or incorporated in what you do? Like obviously, back I don't know, in two thousand or whatever when you started, like digital was still people weren't quite sure about it, or have you always just kind of embraced whatever digital can do? Um, oh look, I, I've got a digital system. I, I do everything fairly on the way in. Like I like I like particular sounds. or right. I've got I like old sounds. Okay, you know my, most of my production as old. Sounding drums, you know, like 60s and 70s kind of sounds. <coughs> so, um, you know, that's always kind of been a mainstay yeah. through my production anyway. Yeah. Well, like, kind of like, I mean, uh, organic kind of sounds I guess. I mean, very much so, yeah. Yeah, I like to apply that sort of rootsy sound to pretty well everything, if it's country record, pop record. Yeah. It's always kind of got that slant on it cool. anyway. Um, but most, all, all the gear is very analog on yeah. the way in. So, so you do. You can process somewhat on the way in? Absolutely, yeah, yeah look okay. everything goes through my Neve console mm. um it tends to be EQ'd on the way in a lot of it mm. you know particular mics and particular mm. drums and things uh and you know outboard compression I do on the way in as yeah, well right. um I still do things in the box it all goes into Pro Tools in the end yeah. um, and but you're tracking this is mainly just like a tape machine. So, so it's good. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Yeah, I like to keep that way. I'm not I'm not really one who likes lots of options at the end. Okay. I That's like, good, you know. I like to commit early Yeah, everybody's different. Yeah, look you've got to you've got to have some options but it tends to just bog things down. So you know, and, uh, yeah. Usually okay. if I'm if I'm producing a record I, I generally know what I want the end result to sound like. Yeah. Because if I don't, I lose exactly. track of I think the whole project. Well, that's almost like a lot of people ask, "What does a producer do?" And I think that's maybe one of the defining terms is that you can see how to get from point A to point B, like sonically. Yeah, yeah. Generally, I'm I, I'm fairly aware of what I want right at the end, mm. and then I've, it's my job to keep the vision. If that mm. means you know making sure that the right players are playing on it, yeah, or you know the artist is still keeping that focus and yeah. you know, when things start to waver all over the place projects fall apart pretty quickly yeah, right. so it's um, you know that's kind of what I like to do and then you know the unlimited options of digital is pretty yeah. dangerous when you start to get down that road yeah um, so has that ever come back to bite you in the ass like where you've got to the you've I wish you didn't have so much compression on drums or I wish you would use that different bass or you've always been like Nah. you know sometimes but no. you can always get to the end of something and go oh, which uh, is yeah. or which bad it's, so it's not going to sound bad it's just a different flavor right yeah look it's you know you've got to be cautious not to, cool. to yeah. really slam the guts out of things like I, I, I was talking earlier about the DBX mm. compressors yeah. but those old DBX compressors if you're not careful they'll destroy everything but, You know, the other ones are more forgiving like an LA-2A the, yeah you know, you can, they're kind of musical so yeah. EQ can be a bit dangerous, but mm. yeah. and in terms of like bass chain, mic DI mixture, nearly everything I do as as much as I I love the idea of putting up a mic on a cab. Yeah, nearly everything I do is just DI. Yeah, and it's generally it'd be either a P bass or my jazz bass. I've got a couple other things that that work. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, interesting sort of sounds. That's straight into an Avalon DI. Yep. Uh, straight into the Neve console. And I'll usually insert either an LA-2A yep. or an LA-3A. Yep. I've got an old LA-3A, which I love. Just to get the peaks or? Just to give it a bit of love, you know. And it always sounds nice sort of in the chain anyway. Yeah, cool. And I might give it a bit of EQ. Um, sometimes this needs a bit. So it gets a little bit woolly at times. Um, Why all of these strings? How old are the strings? Um, <laughs> they're probably only about 12 months old. Oh, okay. Because I broke one. Yeah, I broke one. What on egg big? Yeah, mid show. Did you have spears? No. So <laughs> funny. <laughs> you probably did carry spears I actually, 16, but. I actually had a spare base, I think. But it was. It was Point of no return, you know, yeah, I'll just take right. the rest of the set with three strings and <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> a big deal, you know, but don't say that. <laughs> you, yeah. can't, you can't say it's okay, you know, I yeah. you only have three strings, well then there'll be two strings. Yeah, I'll just keep dropping them You yeah. know, it was actually on the on the Leo Sayers right. geek. And I and I had to do it was probably only a four or five songs with three strings, it wasn't the end of the Was the G string? Actually, no. It was the D so yeah it was yeah yeah. come to think of it I think it was a D and to top it off because I, I like um, I used termastic flat wounds on this and um, I couldn't get a set anywhere you know because the, really? really the only place now you can get strings like that yeah. is the bass center Melbourne. Yeah. I don't know anywhere else anymore and I, I was in, yeah. I was in a state and I <laughs> couldn't get strings and I had to put round wound strings on it oh. Which was really bizarre. <laughs> to this space It sounded great. Yeah. Because you know, fresh wound round wounds. Yeah. I still love them. Yeah. You know, and I use them on my the jazz. And I put dr no. stainless. I like stainless strings. I don't like nickel. And uh, and it's it still sounded really good. But um, but yeah, it's like a nightmare trying to find strings when you break strings on the road. Yeah. And I, I still carry spares. Like. Even though. No. <laughs> there's a man that learns from his mistakes <laughs> no nah, sometimes sometimes I might have a set floating around but n- not yeah. really well because to are pretty expensive aren't they yeah they're insane yeah. so when I buy two sets was like well I could buy two sets or I could eat and have one set <laughs> yeah yeah I <You> could <laughs> eat and eat for a month and yeah have yeah. one set yeah, yeah pretty much yeah so these of you have been over a year old I guess yeah right 18 months maybe but it's yeah I'm, I'm a bit hard on them so I guess that it's probably not a wonder one broke tend to right. dig into them a bit hard. And mo- moving down to Melbourne, like did you did you know some, some guys down here when you came down? Yeah, I knew a few people. Yeah. I was actually oh. I was actually doing a trio with um a guy called Marcel Mooney. Okay yeah and uh yeah. drummer Guitar. Johnny Salerno. Yeah. Right. Yeah and we we're doing a we we're doing a trio cool. uh, about twelve months before I moved down, we formed a trio. So I was actually flying down we we're doing some gigs. Right. Was that so kinda like loud uh, was it rocky stuff? Loudish. No, no, that was okay. just like fusiony sort of stuff, yeah, okay. I guess. You know, it was, cool. No, it wasn't that loud, you know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was really loud. No, um, yeah, so I was kind of doing that for about the 12-month lead-up before I moved down, I was kind of just flying down. With so they kind of give you a taste of the guys and the scene down here? And- yeah, and I was fortunate through those guys and some other people I met. Yeah. I met loads of people and and, you know, that always introduced me to, that's mm-hmm. just how it kind of goes, you know, because I kind of came in here pretty much cold, or, or the only guy I knew was Pat, yeah, PW you know, and stuff, and he was really good because he introduced me to a bunch of the, the similar guys and stuff like that, but, you know, stuff if you try to hustle for gigs, because everyone's hustling for gigs, you know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, is there any advice that you can maybe give for people kind of who are maybe coming out of college or who are moving to a new city, like maybe somebody's moving to Sydney or, yeah. or just looking to try and get involved in, in, in playing, like, what, what would you say? Oh, look, I think, you know, time, it's always time because it, it's, you know, I, I knew a lot of people and I met a lot of people and, you know, they'd, every, everyone was really cool and really mm. gracious and they'd be like, yeah, man, just your number and, you know, but even, even if, even if, Everything was in my favour. If I was a good player and yeah. I got on well with them, and I was still down the list. five, six, seven people down the list, exactly, yeah. and I, I remember getting a few calls, and um, you know it had finally came to me, and I couldn't do it, you know, and I was, I was kicking myself thinking I'm just never going to get. Yeah, all right. And I was doing a, um, <clears throat> I was doing a show that was that was touring quite a lot that I took because. I uh, just had no work. Yeah. And there, was, it, there came a point where I was living in Melbourne, but for the first 12 months I was out on the road and we were touring, doing some stuff internationally and that. And it hit a point where I just thought, I, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to have to tough it out and start. And I yeah. did. I starved for six months. Yeah. And I had very little work until a couple of those phone calls came and um, and I did the gigs and then I fell in just – by chance, I fell into a couple of things. I fell into yeah. Russell Morris's gig. Yeah, right. Just by chance. Really. You know, I did one fill in. The connection to the singer you're working with, uh, Morris, up in Newcastle. That's a different Morris. Different. different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, completely different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I fell I fell into Russell's gig, just by chance. I did a fill in. I met the guitar player. Right. At a one of the gigs I was doing with the trio. Mm-hmm. You go. strangely enough. Yeah. We we're doing a guitar night for Brick Guitars. At, right. um, Deluxe and you know the who's who of every hardcore music I was there like all the guys I really yeah. you know the bass players I'd go out and see like right. you, you know Chris Becker's yeah, and, yeah. and Jack Jones was playing that night and um, all sorts of people were there you know? and and I just got chatting to Russell's guitar player and um, he, he got me to do some other original gig for something else yeah and then just by chance he said, "Oh, we've got this corporate gig coming up, and you know, can you do it?" Yeah. And, yeah, cool. So I did it, and then I got offered the job. Yeah, right. So it just and it took, you know, I'd already been living down here for a bit over a year. Yeah. So um, it just takes time. It's yeah. It's not easy for anyone, and coming out of college, you know, champ the bit, and yeah, with all the all the stuff, you know, you got all the skills and you're ready to go. It does take time. Yeah, you know. especially here, like you say, there's so many great bass players down here. Like, there's great, great bass, bass players. Yeah. That's what I love about Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Is that I um, I love the fact there's incredible bass players around. Yeah, you know, and it's it's. Ins- I find it really inspiring. Like, uh, yeah. I've been out recently and I've um, you know, I've seen um a guy called Travis Clark, who I love. you yeah. know, he's a beautiful player, and I've seen him a few times, and it's, it's great. I can watch a great bass player. Yeah. Play a gig yeah. and not not have to go and see an international act sure. for 150 bucks. You know, yeah, yeah. I can actually go and see people that will inspire me to play. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just that's a really cool thing about Melbourne, for sure. particularly at the moment. You know, I've been in St Kilda and there's like these great players everywhere. Yeah. You know, Chris Beckers and Travis and yeah, you know Gavin Pierce and yeah. Roger McLaughlin rolled into my gig. Yeah. Right. You know. The, yeah, only a couple of weeks ago, and you know the he's hell of a bass player. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's um it's pretty pretty cool. You know. Yeah, it is cool. And coffee as well, obviously. Very good coffee. Coffee, you know, that's really what brought me here, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it keeps me here. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what's kind of what what are you kind of um involved with at the minute, You're still doing Russell? Obviously. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, one of. The records I produced for Russell, which was really successful in Australia, is just about to be released in America. Right. So I'm going next week. To the States? Yeah. To yeah. it. Well, we're playing at the Americana Fest and um we're doing some promotion on the record and whatnot. Yeah. So that's um that's happening kind of pretty soon. I've got some Was that all done here? That was all done here, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, local gays or yeah, local guys and some and some not so local some guys. guys some some, yes, yeah. yeah, there's some guests on some of those records like um, Diesel, Troy Cassadai, Renee mm. Gaia, yeah. uh, Rick Springfield was on one of them. Yeah, right. There's all, all sorts of people. So we've we've had a good run. We've done three records together now. Yeah, and we've had a really good run. But um, but yeah, one one of them is about to be released in America, and then the others to follow, hopefully. Okay. So I'm doing that. I've got some shows coming up with Leo Sayer. Yeah. which is exciting. I did that? Yeah, that's, pretty, that's another pretty sweet oh, gig. I did a tour with him a few years ago. We um, There were four artists on the, the tour and I MD'd it. Okay. And um, the, the band was really great. And it all felt great. And just at the end of it, Leo rang me up and said, I want to do a record. Can we do it at your studio? And I want to use that band. Oh, cool. So we basically cut it live in here <clears throat> and then just did the overdubs. But the bass drums... Um, pianos and guitars, all the main bed tracks yeah. would cut live. Yeah, cool. Which was really cool, and just just through that, when he wanted to tour the record, he, he sort of said, "Oh, I'd like to use this band." Makes sense. Um, which was great. You know, he's he's great to work with. So he's guitar. from the. Is he living in the states? Uh, he's from the UK. Yeah, but he, he lives in Sydney now. Oh. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah. a uh, he's a Sydney resident. So he's uh, he still goes back to the UK. He just did I think about three months touring over there. Right. And, uh, and he'll go back again next year. And Were you in the UK, wasn't he? No, I wasn't. No, he's, he's got a UK band which he's been using those guys Makes for sense, yeah. 30 or 40 years, you know, some, some of them. Yeah. So so he's, he's still using that band. I, I go to, it depends where the shows are. We went to Tokyo last year and did, um, uh, I can't remember what the place, Billboard. Okay. And uh, did some shows there with four shows of Billboard. So those ones I'll do because it's kind of it depends the, where in the world it is yeah, yeah. you have to LA is kind of like
1: yeah. shorter
0: than you get to the UK yeah yeah absolutely yeah so it's it sort of depends but i at, at the moment I'm doing these Australian shows yeah so I've got that I've, I've got some records I'm about to start I've got a little project with uh, the piano player from Leo's band um, a guy called Bill Risby mm-hmm. who have been doing some instr- instrumental stuff oh cool here and there One, a couple of them we, we cut at the end of Leo's okay. record, we just a couple of hours the next morning we had a bit of a hit and it's all set up, so Yeah, yeah, so just, it's a slow, really slow going process. What's, what's that? Material wise? Sorry? What kind of style is that? Um <coughs> Hmm, good question. I'm a, I'm a real big fan of um the yellow jackets, particularly the earliest stuff. Did you, did you go and see them in the I did, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, Dane Olsen awesome other than yeah. yeah, that. Yeah, Dane was great. Yeah, it was good because I, I hadn't actually seen him play before, and he did a fantastic job. I really love the early stuff, though, like record one. Okay, yeah. The no, yellow one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's kind of, I love that type of instrumental stuff. I'm also a big fan of, like, Dave Grusin okay. and things like that. So yeah. it's a bit of a mix of that kind of easy-listening stuff. but uh, um, No easy-listening, early jazz funk. It's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's I I like the um well the the Dave and stuff isn't so jazz funk, yeah. Know, it's more sort of um Americana well not Americano isn't roots here, but that can, Yeah, and I I you know, I sort of apply that kind of production to it, you know, I like right. the old, old drum sounds and cool. all that. so you know it's it's not that modern, slick yeah. you know type of sound, so it's uh, so I'm kind of doing that on the side, yeah, me, it's just to try and keep. Yeah, try try to do something that something is for myself. as yours. Yeah, yeah. Outside I of I think it's important thing. to have that balance between, you know, music for art and music for for work. and know a lot of players. Are yeah, just flat out doing, you know, all the all the work gigs. Absolutely. Um, and and you can of they kind of lose perspective on why we started playing in the first place. Like I didn't start playing bass to, to play. Wedding gigs, you know, and kind of shut down or like a place yeah. place, cause It was like I wanted to be part of and there's kind of no excuse for not doing it. You know, everybody makes excuses, but if you're in the scene, you know enough people. Yeah, and you know. at the end of the day, if you really want to do something, just do it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you know, everybody can everyone can have a home, some kind of home set up Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just it's a matter of actually just making the effort to do it. Yeah, you know, and and I'm pretty flat out, but I'm still trying to do it because it's I haven't been doing. Uh, I, I spent so long doing original projects, and then I fell into producing, which is making other people's original pro- projects happen. Yeah. You know, so it, it hits a point where I go, "Well, I've got to, I've got to do something because it, it keeps you musical." Yeah, you know, keeps you sharp musically. Yeah, so. and you know, you probably find that um, all you know your experience with all our stuff you've been doing, you know. Helps with you doing doing your own original stuff, like absolutely, yeah, 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 and it's it's good too. You know, we get to the end of a record where we're all you know intensely working on stuff, and you just blow off some steam, you know. So we just go, oh, we do, 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 let's do it, yeah. Let's have a bit of a hit, and yeah. See what happens. Let's play like all the films, yeah. Let's play <laughs> every film we've got. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I play the same variation. Like I've got one feel, and I play like hundreds of variations in that one chop <laughs> just play half of it, play the thing play across the bar <laughs> play backwards forwards upside down <laughs> yeah. cool mate that was uh, that was awesome thanks, mate. thanks man thanks for having me yeah thank you um, guys thanks for watching um, I'll see you next time